1: Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. It is Wednesday, November 21st. I'm Josh Dunn. I am joined by the whole crew. I've got Anshu Khanna. I've got Dan Bauer. Anshu, are you all ready for Thanksgiving?
2: Yes, sir. Super pumped. How about yourself?
1: I'm excited hosting for the first time. I think it's going to be a good weekend. Dan, how are you wow. feeling? I know you've uh, got some family you're going to be hanging with. You've got a new member of the family. I'm, I know we're all excited to meet. Uh, so how you feeling, my friend?
0: Doing well. The
1: new member of
0: the family has four legs and is currently curled up listening to us record for the first time. So uh, hopefully maybe, maybe he'll make an appearance here somewhere down the line.
1: Another dog in the land of the dog pound. How impressive is that for you as a Browns fan? I just absolutely love it. Uh, That's good stuff. Uh, Let's talk football. Let's talk a little bit of Monday night football. This was potentially the, the best Monday night football game in the history of the NFL. Maybe even one of the best games in the history of the NFL. So you had Jared Goff facing off with Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, there was the lead up with the Mexico City situation. Obviously, the game was moved to Los Angeles, and this game did not disappoint. It was... An offensive outburst these two teams combined for over a thousand dollars a thousand yards of offense uh, <laughs> definitely Jared, more than a thousand dollars Jared Goff with four passing touchdowns he ran one in as well. Mahomes had six passing touchdowns uh he also had a few turnovers in this game. The Rams able to win it. was the final. Anshu, let's start with you here. I know that this was kind of the battle of two teams that a lot of people thought could be in the Super Bowl, uh, but what was it about what the Rams were able to do that impressed you the most in pulling off this victory?
2: Uh, I think it's just the ruthlessness with which they scored. I mean, especially when you think about the fact that Todd Gurley didn't really have his best game. In fact, you could have said he had his worst game and Cooper Cup obviously lost for the season after last week. So, you know, the fact that they were able to do this and, you know, they've been going through so much with the wildfires, you know, their support staff has been, you know, it's been, they've been moved all over town. They started the week at Colorado Springs, like we talked about, to try to brace for the altitude in Mexico City, then they come back. Um, You know, like, it's just, Sean McVay is just a genius. I mean, these guys are running free. Obviously, some credit to Jared Goff, but, Really, like, it's just amazing to see how easy it is for him to get to wide-open receivers and the fact that no matter who's hurt or who's in or who's out, they're able to consistently score touchdowns and not just sell for threes. It's just amazing.
1: Yeah, and Dan, obviously Mahomes' greatness on the other side, you know, it it definitely showed in this game, but there were a couple, you know, little maybe uh, opportunities for teams to look at and say this guy can be turned over, this guy does make mistakes, he had three interceptions, he had two fumbles in this game, both were forced by Aaron Donald. Uh, so do you does this show teams in the AFC anything about ways that you can beat Kansas City other than just trying to put up more points than they do? Because their offense was incredible, uh, but they did make some big mistakes here.
0: I think, unfortunately, if you're the rest of... The AFC, it was more fluky than seeing anything that you're going to see going forward. I, I mean, he hadn't been pick six at any point in his career until last night. Uh, I think this was the – there were some bad bounces. I mean, one of those picks was, was a batted ball that got batted back down into uh, – I forget which uh, which player batted it, which player caught it, but takes that back from – so, yeah, takes that back for a pick six. I mean, it was some fluky stuff. It wasn't like uh, you saw guys who who were kind of faking them out or or had some weird defensive schemes. I mean, this was hands up in the air, getting getting balls batted down. And I
1: think, uh, like I said, I think more fluky than anything uh, substantive going forward. Aren't you does this does this solidify the Rams as the favorite, or do you still think the Saints? Uh, it's just such a that's that's going to be such a good matchup if these two teams face off I mean who do you give the nod to at this point in the season after a game like this
2: oh it's so tough I mean you know I think that once Aqib Talib comes back for the Rams they're going to be a different type of team we saw how good that defense was early in this season um and they were really good all around and we saw how good they can still be up the middle when you talk about obviously the kind of game that Aaron Donald had but also you know Akubam had a couple amazing plays and you know, I think they're well. They're probably better rounded than the Saints. The Saints are obviously just absolutely insane right now. They're completely unhinged. They obviously beat the Rams, so they have that tiebreaker. They're they're basically tied in the loss column. But um, you know, the, the Saints have that tiebreaker. I think that the Rams are the better team. Honestly, if they had to go heads up, especially in L.A., I like the Rams.
1: Dan, do you agree?
0: No, I, I, I'm taking opposite sides on this one. I mean, Drew Brees is just. On another career year, every time you think he can do no better, he does. I mean, one interception all year, and I just don't think that this Rams defense can really can really hold back uh, a Drew Brees offense, especially with that uh, with that tie break and having to go play in New Orleans. Um, you know, I just can't see that this Rams team really being able to stop Drew Brees. I mean, they they let up fifty one uh, last night. And, you know, this is a team that just hasn't really looked great all year. Obviously, you mentioned the injury issues, but uh, this is not a team who's been holding teams to very few points. And if you're going to go up against Drew Brees, he is going to absolutely air it out against you, especially with the experience uh, that he has. I just can't imagine that New Orleans isn't the favorite at this point.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of am in the middle on this one, and I, I – Agree with what Anshu said about it being in LA. I think that's really what it's going to come down to. You wouldn't think that Los Angeles was going to be a place that home field advantage would, ma- would matter, uh, but mm-hmm. that that crowd really showed out on Monday night, and they were very loud from the get go. And it seemed like you know this was the game that kind of you know made the the LA faithful or unfaithful. You should probably say. Kind of realize what they have here in, in Los Angeles as a as a football team and something that yeah. they were not accustomed to having for so many years. So I really think that this this uh, if those two teams do end up facing each other and obviously that's not a certainty, but it looks very increasingly likely. Uh, I think it's going to come down to who has home field advantage and New Orleans is a an almost impossible place to play right now. Uh, Dan, you know, you mentioned how Drew Brees is playing, but you also have two of the best running backs in the league this year with Kamara and Ingram. Uh, you know, the one thing they're trying to figure out is their their number two receiver after trying to bring in Des Bryant, they brought Brandon Marshall in. But then Traquan Smith goes off in their last game this past weekend. So it's gonna be interesting to see who gets the home field advantage because I think whoever it does get it, if those two teams play each other in an NFC championship, I think that's who wins the game regardless of who it is. Um, but either way, this this Monday night game was an extremely fun game to watch. Uh, it had all of us on the edge of our seats. It was offense after offense after offense, and there were some big turnovers that kind of moved this game in either direction. Uh, and it was just back and forth the entire time. That's exactly what you want. That's exactly what the league wants with all these rule changes and trying to make it more difficult, uh, you know, for people to to hit the quarterback. And, and, you know, it's it's changing the league, but people love offense and people love fantasy sports. And that's what this game is kind of catered to. So, um a lot of good football left to be played by both of these teams, but that Monday night game was very exciting. Uh, and we'll get to a few of the Thanksgiving games here. Before we do, I just want to sh- uh, change gears a little bit here and, and go to the baseball world. I know we haven't talked a lot about that in recent weeks, but there were a couple significant things that happened. Uh, so we'll touch on th- the Thanksgiving games as well. But uh, James Paxton on the move. I know you guys had uh, an infamous argument on on the show uh, several months back about James Paxton and his inability or Uh, or lack of it being important of of having wins in the win column. But James Paxton, his stats uh, have have spoken volumes over the last few seasons, and he is on the move from Seattle to the Yankees in a package that is highlighted um, by Justice Sheffield, really kind of the only big name in this trade. Dan, why don't we start with you here? Uh, I know you're not a fan of James Paxton from the lack of wins perspective. Do you think you'll get a (laughs) few more here in New York in pinstripes?
0: Uh, yeah, you probably will get a few more, and I love the fact that what is a somewhat random player to uh, have such an infamous argument about on this show has now turned out to be a major story here months later. So shout out to the baseball gods for giving us that one, but uh, I mean, it's a great trade for the Yankees. I don't necessarily... Uh, understand the giving up of justice sheffield i mean uh james baxton is is obviously still also very young um only six years of major league service so far so uh, i mean still a young player in his own right but justice sheffield's been a guy who's been very touted uh in their prospect rankings so it, i don't necessarily understand giving him up especially when they balked at trading uh, to the Indians and they didn't want to give up Bandar uh, and they didn't want to give up uh, uh, oliveira And so it, it's just a little bit weird, but then you'd flip uh, for James Paxton and, and flip also some top guys. So uh, a little weird. I don't necessarily understand what the Yankees are doing in terms of valuation uh, on those guys, uh, because I think the the Kluber deals that were tossed out were a better move for them. But um Hey, you know it's it's uh, it's a slight, it's a younger guy, so maybe that was what weighed in for the Yankees. But a uh, good move for them; it's, it makes them all the more scary in the American League. It's the the one weakness that they really have that we talked a lot about on this show. Especially was their lack of starting pitching, and so it, it's a move that chures it up. You just have to hope if you're them that you get the. Uh, the guy you're trading for, and not the guy who shows up, kind of similar to the Sonny Gray thing, that you didn't necessarily get the same player that you traded for, who sh- to show up uh, in the Bronx. So we'll see. It's a lot easier to pitch in Seattle than it is under the lights of the Bronx. So um, to be determined, but it's a good trade in theory. Hopefully, it plays out for him, or actually, hopefully, it does not play out
1: for them uh, in real life. Anchu, I know you're a huge fan of Paxton. I got to ask if this is the trade, if this is that starting pitcher, if this is the arm that the Yankees need to kind of get them over the hump, obviously they're trying to keep up with their division rival, the Red Sox, who, you know, one of their strengths has been starting pitching. Uh, is this the one that really is able to get them over that hump?
2: Uh, I think so. I mean, right now, I look, James Paxton is a straight up ace. Have, the one thing that I could not get over all of last season that many of us couldn't get over all last season was that the Yankees don't have a starter. They add a thirty year hold that's going to only be owned, owed nine million each year for the next two years that he's controlled. I doubt that he stays in new york he's already thirty, so he'll be thirty two when he goes you know the free agency and by that point, you know the Yankees with Brian Cashman probably not going to pay for past performance. So, you know, if he's gone at that point, I have a feeling that he's going to have a World Series ring uh that he's brought to New York by that time. Look, the issue with Paxton, the only issue with Paxton is his injury history. I mean, the dude has done everything but get Tommy John. He's always hurt. He's always got the little nicks and that's that's kept him from being able to post, you know, he had 28 starts last year, but that's kept him from being able to post, you know, the 32 33 starts that you see out of the truly you know, Cy Young caliber pitchers. And make no mistake, he's a Cy Young caliber pitcher, but you put him next to Severino and those two dudes are pitching four games in a playoff matchup. I mean, and the fact that he's lefty, so, you know, you bring him out of the pen in later games in a competitive playoff series, like this this guy is the difference for them. And uh I, I think right now the Yankees, because of this move and whatever else they do, and they will do more. I think the Yankees are going to be the favorite, unfortunately, to win the World Series next year. Wow. Well,
0: i you're getting a little ahead of yourself here, man. That's, uh, adding one pitcher I don't think puts them ahead of Boston or One Houston.
2: awesome pitcher. And, by the way, he's definitely, like, for what he is right now, I would rather have him than anyone the Indians could offer. And, by the way, Justice Sheffield, not really that great. I mean, he's, like, the 31st, 32nd-ranked prospect. Like, he's... You know, his he hasn't done a whole lot. The Yankees couldn't get him straightened out in terms of his efficiency of pitching. I don't think that they gave up that much, honestly for James Paxton. I think they could have gotten a lot more. I just think today the, Yankees are the best team. I don't know how you can diminish throwing putting an ace onto the the best line.
0: I mean, that still only gives them one ace when you look at Houston or Boston, who had two or three. I,
2: I think that Severino is a borderline ace. He was one the last like three weeks of the season or maybe month or so of the season as Josh knows all too well like, <laughs> for his fantasy team but no he's I I think that's two two really top of the line pitchers and yeah I, I right now would put them right there with anybody.
1: I've got to say to kind of break up your guys' little argument here, when you said Little Knicks in reference to <laughs> his injury history all I could think about was Nate Robinson in a New York Knicks jersey <laughs> That is random. <laughs> but, Extremely yeah. random, but uh, <laughs> but before we get to basketball, that is not a transition. I wanted to talk about Adrian Beltre. Adrian Beltre right. officially retires uh, today, and Adrian Beltre, one of the better third basemen in the history of the league, uh, had a lot of very, very good years. Is I don't know what number he is on the home run list, but he's up there. Uh, he also finished with over 3,000 hits in his career. So uh, we'll start with Dan. I know you're, you've been kind of a fan of his game and, and his career. Uh, what can you say about Adrian Beltre officially calling it quits now?
0: I mean, the guy has nearly a 100 career war. I mean, I think that's that's the biggest thing you need to say. A, an absolute I know, a legend might be a strong word of the game, but somebody we've all grown up with made his first major league appearance in 1998. I mean, it's it's literally a guy that the three of us grew up watching and seeing uh you know, played most of that career in the American League, so obviously we saw him against our teams plenty, so uh, you know, shout out to him. You know, everyone says there's a couple people saying first ballot Hall of Famer. I think first ballot Hall of Famer is maybe a little bit aggressive, so I think he gets in. I mean, 477 career home runs. Uh, I think probably gets you pretty close. I don't think it'll be first ballot, uh, but you know, I think uh, I think he'll eventually get in. But 21 years in Major League Baseball now, leaving only Bartolo Colon as the last player to play in the 20th century still playing in wow. today's MLB game. He's still hitting home, home runs too. <laughs>
2: are you? Anything to add on Beltray? Uh, I mean, it's weird. He's been one of those guys that it's been, like, uh, just uh, his achievement over his career probably outweighs his individual, like, season performance. He's never been, I think, one of those guys that, like, you just say, wow, this dude is a Hall of Famer, you know, but it's just happened over time, like, Curtis Martin or something. If you look at his similarity scores on baseball reference, uh <laughs> his... Is uh, the similar batters are Dave Winfield, Cal Ripken, Carlos Beltran, Al Kaline, Chipper Jones, Andre Dawson, as Rafael Palmiro and uh, and George Brett. Nine of those ten guys are in the Hall of Fame. The other one did a bunch of roids and lied about it. So uh, I think that I think that it's safe to say that he will be a Hall of Famer. I agree with Dan. I don't know that he's a first ballot. He will 100 percent be a Hall of Famer, though.
1: Yeah, d- no doubt an excellent career. 477 was the home run number that I was looking for. So, an excellent career for Beltray. Happy trails. I know you're a listener, we appreciate it. And, uh, <laughs> Have a great retirement, my friend. But uh, did want to talk about some other people that uh, could be on the move and and, and go to the NBA as well. Yeah, great friend of the program. Uh, J.R. Smith, he's been a guy that uh, has been loved or hated by many Cleveland fans. Dan, I don't know which side you land on this, but I want to start with you on this one. J.R. Smith has now (laughs) agreed with the team that uh, they're going to mutually look to seek a deal here to get J.R. Smith out of Cleveland. He kind of went out and uh, he had a story that was, I think it was on The Athletic, that uh, he Basically threw the team under the bus. Said the team doesn't want to win. They're in uh, rebuild mode. They want to lose and tank for draft picks. And he doesn't want to be on a team that's in that position. Obviously, J.R. Smith, a very polarizing figure, and this doesn't do much for the Cavs' future. Uh, but do you see J.R. Smith landing anywhere and being a productive member of any competitor here at this point in his career? Aren't you?
2: Uh, well, it depends what you're trying to get out of him. I mean, I, I think that he could do what he did last year. He's 33. Last year, he what was it? He shot you know, 37, 38 percent from three. And uh, he's, you know, he played, I think it was like 20, 28 minutes. It looks like a game. So if that's what you're looking for, and I don't think he can quite get there, but he could probably bring you 20, 25 minutes off the bench. He's been there for a bunch of moments. He's also obviously made some boneheaded plays and clutch moments, but the guy is still an absolute killer. He's a game changer. If he hits his threes, And obviously that's a big if, but like, there just aren't many microwave-type shooters like that, and that's a big deal in today's NBA. So I absolutely think there's somewhere he lands. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, where where they ship him off to. But he's he's definitely a piece that should be in a playoff rotation somewhere.
1: And obviously he's making a lot of money. Uh, so it's going to be, you know, you've got to find a team that that is willing to take on that money. And, and Dan, I mean, do, do you think that the Cavs get any value for this? And, and as a Cavs fan, are you going to miss him?
0: Uh, yes, I will miss him as a Cavs fan. That's an easy question. First, uh, I, I, he very much was a guy who embraced the city. Uh, that 2016 World Series, he the, when all those guys were at the <laughs> game. Was, yeah, I, I'm going. Yeah, World Series. Their infamous picture of him at the Indians uh, is sweet oh, with, yeah. his shirt, oh. with his shirt with his with his shirt off and stuff. Yeah. Um, him, him at the parade was just absolutely epic when the Cavs won. Painted um,
2: shirts. He did. Yeah,
0: real big anti-shirt guy. Uh, but no, he he was always like he talked a lot about Cleveland and a lot about how much he embraced the city and um, you know when he originally came here, not on the best terms and then kind of made some comments about the city and and how he didn't really want to come here and, and so it was uh, it was cool to kind of see him embrace it all uh, and so he will always have uh, a special place in, in Cleveland's heart at least I think for me um, as a as a guy who really loved and embraced the city in terms of if he's going to go somewhere. Else, I think Houston's a name to keep an eye on. Uh, I think he he would fit well uh, on a Rockets team who could use some outside shooting. I do think the Cavs are going to have to buy him out. I just don't see a trade partner. It's uh, it's about a fourteen million dollar cap hit that you'd have to adjust, and I just I can't imagine somebody flipping a, a major or I mean a major piece because it's not that much in the NBA. It's as crazy as it is, but uh, you know maybe some low level you know high first, low second draft pick, and uh, somebody to unload a contract. Uh, but more than likely, I, I think it's a buyout, and he goes and plays for the veteran minimum somewhere.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where he lands. I mean, like like Antje said, I mean, the microwave capability that he has is uh, something that you would want on a team, but he also is the most inconsistent player in the NBA. And that's not just his shooting. I mean, that's on both sides of the ball. There are games where he legitimately looks – like he could be a lockdown defender on a, a, a you know a very good scorer, and there are moments where he doesn't even play defense. So I, I just I, I'm not going to miss him on the court. I will miss kind of just the fun of having Jr. on your team and watching him when he's on the bench and not playing and just looking as high as somebody could possibly look. And you know, like you guys <laughs> mentioned, with his his few times where he, you know he's got no shirt, and he, you know you you kind of have to grow to like that that you know personality i think but i don't know i just don't know if he can really be a productive member of a contender i, I i'd kind of keep an eye on seeing if he goes to la and, and joins lebron again i think yeah. that would be something that that uh, would make sense you know they've got the space to sign him and and you know if if he if LeBron would would go out and, and vouch for him like he did, uh, who did they just sign? Tyson Chandler. If if he would go out and vouch for JR like he did for Tyson Chandler, I I could definitely see them bringing him on, especially after a buyout. So, a few things uh, to watch for with that. I, I don't know that I am in that same you know court to say he's going to really help somebody, but he can definitely be a, the difference in a game or two, you know, over a, over a stretch. So. Uh, still a great shooter when he gets hot. Uh, did want to talk about somebody who's not a great shooter, and that's Markel Fultz. And he is now seeking a, a professional opinion on his shoulder. It seems like he could miss significant time. We don't know how severe it is yet. Uh, but are we ready to call Markel Fultz a bust? And I, I got to ask you, aren't you? I know you do a show with Chris. I know he's a huge Philadelphia fan. Uh, is Markel Fultz – are we ready to call him a bust or is it still too soon?
2: Uh, boy, I, was the I number think number one overall too- pick. Yeah, it's a little too soon, but I also expected when I heard that Jimmy Butler got traded, I fully expected that Fultz was in that deal. I think that in order for him to reclaim his abilities, uh, you know, and he's got plenty of natural ability, obviously, I just feel like he he might need to go somewhere else. So we'll see if that does happen, Um, but I I don't think that he'll ever live up to that number one pick I know. Okay.
1: I agree. I, I think he, it is time to call him a bust. I, I, I never – and I, I know You and I, we talked about this. Uh, I don't know if it was on this show or a previous show that we did together. I, I never was a big believer in Fultz. And I, I kind either. of compared Simmons because neither of them could – as number one overall talent, neither of them could really lead a college program to even get to the tournament. I just – and Ben Simmons is doing great now, and he's great in, in kind of a second fiddle role. I don't think he's the star of that team. I think Embiid clearly is, but uh, Markel Fultz I don't think has the ability to be the second or third star on a team. I think he's a role player at best, and I think he's a seventh or eighth guy on the bench role player, and he's not a, a dominant scorer. He's not somebody who's great on the defensive end of the ball, and I just I just don't see him being a star in this league. Um, and I, I think they were reaching when they took him first overall. I think Jason Tatum was Clearly, the better player uh, is NBA talent wise uh, for Mm -hmm. sure. Uh, And there were other players in that draft that were that were very good. De'Aaron Fox comes to mind. So
2: Lonzo, uh, I thought Lonzo was going to be better too. Um, I don't know that he will, but I think you're. It's well said. Like I mean, I I, even then it was going to be a little bit of a reach because I just it's hard for me to wrap my head around players in college that don't give you any like NBA esque, you know. Primacy, like where they want the ball, they want to be the alpha, especially at point guard. Like you see, I, you know, we talk about Saxton, um, You know, people obviously have complained about his game, but I, you still see like the shadows of what he could be. Um, and I just never saw that out of full, so I really didn't. And I know that that sounds like, re- like you know, a bias kind of, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty situation. But I, I really agree with you. Like I, I don't, I think that was always going to be a reach.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I, we'll see how severe the injury will, is. We'll, we'll see how he uh, reacts to it and responds and gets back. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll have our eyes on it. Dan, I did want to move on to the NFL. We're kind of getting a little long here. I wanted to touch on these big Thanksgiving Day games. Uh, we've got three of them per usual. I know we'll all be stuffing our face with turkey, having a few adult beverages, and spending time with our families. But uh, we've got a big one in Detroit. Chicago goes to, on to take on Detroit. Both of these teams banged up sounds like Trubisky may be out in this game. He got late, hurt late uh, in that game this past weekend. Uh, Chase Daniel would start in his place. Detroit's banged up as well. They've got on Johnson, who is likely to miss this game. Marvin Jones, uh, Jones Jr. is also probably going to miss this one. I mean, if Detroit can knock off Chicago, that makes the NFC North interesting again. What do you think, Dan?
0: Uh, I don't know if it makes it quite that. And I still think the Bears look to be in cruise control. Uh, last I saw Saw was Trubisky was expected to play, so um, we may be having slightly conflicting reports, which does not bode well for the Bears, especially coming off off what is going to be a very very short turnaround for them uh, from playing a Sunday night and then having to start early Thursday morning. Uh, I mean, it's essentially a, a three days of rest to play another NFL game was just absolutely absurd and should be some sort of uh, crime for the NFL to have that sort of scheduling thing. I mean, that's. It's absolutely absurd they're doing it. Uh, I still think even if the Bears somehow lose this game, I still think it's their division uh, to to hold on to for the remaining couple weeks of the season. Uh, you know, it's it's in it's in Detroit, so uh, you know you obviously know the weather not going to really play much of a factor. But uh, if if Trubisky can say hot with Allen Robinson, I think this this game goes to Bears even with a banged up lineup.
1: Shu, I know you'd love to see a Bears loss, and the, the, the quote from today, the most recent quote, I don't think we saw conflicting reports, is that the Bears are cautiously optimistic that Trubisky could play, but he is day-to-day, so it, it could go either way, but regardless yeah. of whether he plays, do you think Detroit would have enough to knock him off with their banged-up
2: offense? Oh, Detroit is so inconsistent. You know, the Bears have actually been one of the few somewhat consistent teams, given how good their defense has been this year. And hand up on that, I did not see that coming, especially in their secondary. But, you know, I, I think that the Lions can do this at home, especially with as four-point dogs. Like, they're not going to, especially with carry-on's injury that you talked about, I think they're going to pass a ton, and that is how you attack this Bears' defense. That's what Aaron Rodgers did week one when they stage their comeback in the second half and really no one else they've played has been able to do that except for Tom Brady. So I think that the Lions at home, not on the road at home uh, in that dome might be able to get the bears off their spot and be able to swing, uh, you know, pull off the upset here. All right.
1: Two more NFC games. We're going to briefly touch on them. You've got new Orleans at the late game hosting Atlanta. Uh, they're big favorites in that one. Dallas is hosting Washington. Obviously the big injury to Alex Smith this past weekend. He breaks his ankle. He's out for the year. Colt McCoy will take over at the quarterback position, and they'll go on the road to take on Dallas, who seems to kind of be figuring themselves out. So, Anshu, we'll start with you this time. I think that's the game we want to talk about. Who do you think wins this, and do you think Colt McCoy can be a serviceable backup at taking the place of Alex Smith?
2: Yeah, i totally buried the Cowboys a couple weeks ago. I thought the Eagles were going to run away with this thing. Now, you know, it's wide open. The Eagles have lost a bunch of games in a row. The Cowboys have sprung some upsets I didn't expect. And especially after that Monday night game, they did not look good in that game. Now they they look to be kind of in control of the yeast if they can win this game. And uh, I will, you know, I, I do think that that brings, you know, that brings you to, to Colt McCoy, who is coming home to Dallas, um, and, and uh, you know, he's been in Jay Gruden's system for a couple of years now. I don't think that they're going to miss a whole lot. Like, Alex Smith wasn't playing that well. He's he's pretty conservative, as we know, but this year he was hyper-conservative when you look at his yards per attempt compared to last year, especially when he finally turned it loose under Andy Reid. I, I think that, I don't think that the, the skins are going to miss that much, and uh, I kind of think that they're, Certainly going to cover. their seven and a half point dogs. I think that they win this one potentially outright in Dallas.
1: Dan, anything to add on either of those two games? Uh,
0: I mean, if you're the Redskins, you just you're going to have to run the crap and you have to hope that Peterson stays hot and uh, you know just cross your fingers. I agree with Anchu. I think uh, I think seven and a half points is way too much. Uh, I think the the Redskins easily cover this. I, don't, I think Dallas has got. I don't want to say lucky, but I think they're playing above their talent level recently. Um, You know, they barely squeak out a win against the Falcons. Uh, They get a win against a team that just Philadelphia does not look great. uh, Get beaten up by the Titans. uh, Lost the Redskins before that. Um, You know, I I just think this is a team that that just isn't as good as uh, their mediocre record uh, reflects. So I, I, I agree with you. I think Redskins cover easily and. You can win this outright, especially if they, they just run the ball. This Cowboy Steven's is not great at stopping
1: it. I have to actually disagree with you on this one. I, I I don't think Washington. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if if uh, Chris Thompson's back for this one because he adds another dimension that I don't think Capri Bibbs quite can do uh, by giving them a back out of the backfield who can make people miss and and is a great receiver. Uh, they they just don't really have any. Offensive weapons. Jordan Reed is; stayed is, is, is somewhat healthy this year, and he's been a good target. Obviously, catching a touchdown last week, and Adrian Peterson has come back from you know basically the dead of the NFL uh, and looked great this year. But outside of that, I mean, they have Maurice Harris has been their best receiving weapon. Uh, Josh Dotson hasn't really developed into the star that I think a lot of people thought he could be coming out of college. Um, I think sure. Dallas is going to win this one at home. And I, I do think they can cover that spread. I don't know that they will for sure, but I think that seven and a half is something that uh, that they should be able to cover against Colt McCoy, who hasn't really been a relevant piece of any NFL team for a long time. Um, so I, I don't know. I could go either way, but I think I'm I think I'm going to stick with my guns here and go with Dallas. Um, and then I, I think we all agree that New Orleans is going to run away with it. Let's, let's get to, oh, by the ways we are a little long on this episode, I'll start. I'm going to go with two. Injuries in the NFL that are ending the seasons of two key players for two uh, two teams here with O.J. OJ Howard, the tight end. For Tampa Bay, who's been having a career year, he had an ankle injury and goes on the IR, and it was on the last drive of that game against the Giants. Uh, the Bengals lose Preston Brown, who they signed out of Buffalo, uh, really been uh, you know the consummate pro, never really missed any time due to injury. He's now out for the year, and the Bengals' def- defense takes yet another uh, hit here as they look to continue to uh, piss this season away, and they'll end up losing to Cleveland this weekend. Uh, Anchi, what do you have for o, by the way?
2: Uh, I was going to say so. Two things. Number one is Friday, as is on brand for me. Let's talk golf. And that's Phil versus Tiger. Nine million on the line. They already have a $200,000 bet on the first hole. Unfortunately, this is going to be on pay-per-view, but I may have to spring for it. It it could be absolutely awesome. Um, I think it's going to be really fun, uh, Tiger, obviously trying to keep the momentum from his late-season run uh, and and run this thing into next year when the Masters comes around. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun. My second one is this is obviously going to be our last show before Thanksgiving. Maybe not obvious, but it is going to be. And just wanted to say, you know, we do three of these a week, and usually. uh, I never have to basically do anything, so I'm very, very thankful for both of you guys for – putting in all the extra work both before and after to uh, get these up for the fellas and ladies out there. So much appreciated to you guys.
1: Wow. Thank you, aren't you? That means a lot. And <laughs> I would, I'm happy to do it for you. I know Dan is as well. <laughs> so Dan, why don't you take us home?
0: Yeah, we'll take one heartfelt story uh, from you there and we'll end on another good heartfelt story. So uh, Indians out, our team has been fully cleared. Uh, he battled life right crazy infection uh last year and uh ended his season uh looks to be fully back ready to go for spring training uh, he got the final medical clearance he needed today so uh, shout out to to him and best of luck for him going forward both for him personally and for the indians in general so um, shout out to him and uh, much appreciated aren't you and you're very welcome so <laughs>
1: I love it. Love is in the air here on The Leftovers. We wish all of our listeners a very happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we will not – we will unlikely be doing a Friday show this week. I won't say definitely not because we want to get you guys as much content as we possibly can. But I would not count on it. Let's just put it that way. Uh, but for Anshu Khanna and Dan Bauer, we are very thankful for you guys for continuing to listen to this show. We wouldn't do it if it wasn't for you guys. So we very much appreciate that. Uh, but for the two of you, I'm Josh Dunn. I look forward to talking to you guys after Thanksgiving.